herbal formulas that they use and certain people make either their own or they have certain types that they're passed down from but you know uh, depending on the season and the location and where you train yeah your body would adapt differently so you might need different herbs and of course whatever your constitution is um huh you know but but generally blood flow is the main thing you don't want to get any blood uh clots and and have issues later on so a lot of the general uh herbs that people use in did uh formulas topically and internally would be for blood stasis um but I haven't I haven't used any uh did Dow Dow like formulas. I haven't made any uh for myself, but I have a few ideas in mind uh just just to play around with. Uh, cool. I made I just made a tincture for uh bone density not bone density, it's like to reverse graying hair and uh help with hair growth and like loose teeth and tendons and ligaments and bone density. It's, I need that. That's yeah, what I need. <laughs> it's, it's the seven. I don't want to mispronounce it. It's, it's the seven uh, seven ingredients for a beautiful whisker peel. It's like chibi. I, I don't I have to look up the name. But anyway, it's it's a bunch of different formulas I ground up and put in alcohol. So I just oh. put them out in uh, tincture bottles a few minutes ago. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you're like, a, you're like yeah. an apothecary or like you got your own little. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been meditating on Qigong and, and, and that in the Chinese medicine aspect. Like it's a whole lot of levels that I I feel like I wasn't paying enough attention to. And now I have a little bit deeper understanding of like what's I understand a little bit more, you know. Cool, man. We should probably capture this. Uh, are we just just rolling with it? No introduction. Oh uh, no! Today? Yeah, let's let's <laughs> let's do an intro. Welcome to Yin and Young, uh, the podcast. Uh, welcome back. This is uh, James, aka Young. Uh, I'm here joined by my co-host Dan. You want to introduce yourself, Dan? This is Dan, aka Yin. Yeah, and then we have our very special guest, uh, Shannon uh, Tete, also known as Tay, uh, uh, calling in from Chicago. What's up? Hello, hello. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. Man. Oh yeah, thank you for uh, uh yeah your your prompt response and for for um uh yeah coming on man uh lot of, uh, there's a lot of crazy shit going on right now so I think it's yes. uh, I think w one reason I I reached out was um yeah to be honest I I wanted to get uh, a black perspective on current events and also I I've been I've been I've been checking out your posts and. Yeah, you seem like you you've got a really strong opinion on what's going on right now. So we get we can very get very strong opinions about what's yeah, going on right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and uh, uh, just just uh, to you know circle back a little bit before we the intro, we we're just talking a bit about you know how we met each other. I think we met over in uh, 
Oak, uh, was it Berkeley, Emeryville area? Yeah. And then Oakland. Uh, oh, yeah, Oakland, we met at uh, one of David Way's uh, Qigong classes. Yeah. And then, uh, so just uh, if you could for our listeners, uh, Shannon, uh, you want to give a, a brief introduction of yourself, uh, basically a little bit about uh, where you grew up, uh, uh, things that you're passionate, like, uh, you know, what your profession is and what you're doing now in uh, Chicago. Cool, cool. Well, uh, my name is Shannon Tete. I'm currently based in Chicago. Um, I was born in Chicago, and I lived in a few different places uh, growing up. Uh, from Chicago, I moved to Huntsville, Alabama when I was like eight. I lived there for a few years, and then Nashville, Tennessee from like fourth grade, fifth grade up until my freshman year of college. And then I moved to Chicago for a while, and then I moved out to California. And now I'm back out to Chicago right now. So I've been in a few different places uh, growing up, so I have a lot of different perspectives. Um, currently, I am a massage therapist, but I'm finishing up my uh, doctorate in traditional Chinese medicine. So that's something that I'm passionate about. And I'm also uh, part of a startup, a, a CEO of a startup company that's combining uh, cannabis with Chinese medicine. Oh. So. So specific cannabinoids with uh, specific herbal formulas, which I shouldn't say combining. I'm just reintroducing people to it. That's a long history of cannabis and, and Chinese herbs and, and a whole lot of stuff that people are just now recently uh, being reintroduced to. So, so yeah, okay. it's a few different things. Cool, man. And uh, so a little bit like, uh, you mentioned you like having a pretty yeah. That's, so you traveled around as a kid. Uh, are you only child? You got brothers and sisters. Oh, sorry. I had to have a. I have two sisters. Um, I have a younger sister. She is um, thirty. We're two years apart. Um, no, excuse me, thirty-one because I'm thirty-three. So we're two years apart. And I have a younger, younger sister. She is leave eleven this year. So. Um, when I was growing up, it was me and my uh, younger sister. It, it was it was interesting, you know, being down south in like the nineties. Uh, <laughs> was it wasn't a whole whole lot of black people in, in Huntsville, Alabama, in in my little area I lived uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. It was, it was a little bit more black people in certain areas, but um, it was very different coming from Chicago, which is super segregated as far as like where people and in races are. So, okay. So, yeah. Like uh, in Alabama, then uh, was was there like like real talk? Was there the KKK around or? So, interesting story. Um, when I was a little kid, first grade or something, I've I've never personally, I didn't see any of the KKK like in hoods or, or anything uh, while I was there. But there was a kid who drew a swastika on my book bag, oh, and. What the yeah, in the first grade, um, I remember I was sitting in in the like the huge not auditorium but the gymnasium like the first yeah. week where they had everyone like separate. It was a white kid. I remember writing like I remember that. I'm 33 now. I had to be six, seven or something. Yeah. And I told my parents, and they came up to school. It was, it was interesting. It was interesting. The culture difference was very uh, stark. 
<laughs> it was very stark. So yeah. Did you? Oh man. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing. Did you get into any, uh, you know, fights or anything? Or I mean, I think as kids, we we've I've gotten to scrap. Right. I've gotten to scraps myself. For me personally, I, luckily I grew up um, predominantly Asian. Uh, I mean, I guess it. To be honest, yeah, it's predominantly Asian, and it, for some reason, I felt that's that's just the way. It I didn't know that if that was better or worse. Right. That's just how I grew up in the Bay Area, right. and uh, I got into scraps here and there. Uh, but I guess what I what I mean by being fortunate is that I don't think it, it was ever really racial. To be honest. Right. I did. I did get into some fights with some white kids, um, and I think that was more of like, just like kids. Like, uh, you know, he was a friend of mine, and he wanted to go with me to karate class. I'm like, no, I don't want you hanging around like all the time. And then we just got, you know, we right. got to, you know. So it was more about that kind of thing. I mean, how about yourself? Did you you get in much fights as a kid growing up, or or you're pretty pretty uh, chill? Hmm. I never got into, like, growing up, I can't think of a lot of fights based on race or anything. Um, I got into a few scraps, but, I mean, like, it was kid stuff. Yeah. I, I was always kind of bigger, so I never really got into fights. <laughs> uh, so that, that helps. But, uh, no. I mean, I, yeah, I, I never really got into fights over race as, as a young child. But, I mean, I would observe it, and I would be aware of like hmm that's a little different and it just i guess when you're a kid you're innocent you just you don't really know you don't you don't know the nuance of race in like first second third grade until you know you become older and you're just like oh okay it's certain patterns you start to notice but for me personally i can't say that i, I got any fights uh, over race at a young age so that was that was a good thing for me yeah uh yeah. Do you mind elaborating, like, uh, what do you mean, like, by like nuances and like, uh, you know, some yeah. of like the the thing, some of the things that maybe you didn't understand then, but you're like, oh, like looking back, like, oh, so that was what that was, or yeah, right, right. Uh, so as a kid, um, you know, innocence is definitely a thing. Uh, you don't really know too much about the world. You just told what the world is and to figure it out. Um, I remember being in high school, I'm sorry, uh, in college. I went to Fisk University, uh, which is a historically black college um, in Nashville, Tennessee. And that was like my first education, I would like to say, about black people. Um, I didn't know a lot about uh, black history because in high school, they didn't really teach us a lot. Um, you get the same three or four people in Black History Month, you know, Martin Luther King, um, W.E.B. Du Bois, Harriet Tubman. It, it's like the basic characters, but you don't really get to see like what happened in America. No Malcolm um, X or? So it, <laughs> no. So <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny, I never forget. I was in, um, I wanna say, 10th grade, ninth grade, I was in social studies class. And I remember, you know, we were reading, we were studying a chapter on like ancient Roman history. And then we came up to, you know, African history. It was two pages. 
And then we went back to, you know, ancient Greek history. And that was like the first moment. I was just like, hmm, that's weird. Right. Like all the whole continent of Africa. And they talked about like the Kushites, like one slither of Egyptian history. So, you know, that was like my first kind of, hmm, that's weird. Yeah. You don't, you know, of course you might hear people say things on the outside, but you think school education or facts are unbiased or so you would like to believe and I started noticing differences in in school or things just didn't make a lot of sense uh, in high school but I didn't question it until Fisk things start to click Um, you know hearing about African history and uh, math that was done in ancient Egypt and things like that so like that was my first introduction, and it kind of helped me have a little bit more understanding on uh, what it was to be black in America and, and what it was to what, what our history was and why we were treated like specifically. So mm. that, that helped. That helped. Yeah, because I know if you, I mean, if you watch the movies about Egypt, they're white people, right? <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's that's, yeah. uh, that's a problem right there, right? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm 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 glad I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, I'm sure you can attest to this being, you know, in in art and in film industry specifically. Um, I think it's very important to have a representation of different people. Uh, black people are should be in Egypt simply because it's an African country. I, you shouldn't it shouldn't be that hard but somehow <laughs> you know um i never forget i never forget i was in the theater and it was i forget the movie i went i was going to go see but uh the trailer for gods of egypt oh god was on. oh yeah yeah i remember <laughs> i remember watching the trailer and i was like it was over and i'm like where are all the egyptians like i'm thinking it's rome versus egyptians because i didn't see any black people and i was just like oh okay cool I was waiting on the Egyptians to show up, and they never did. But that's that's kind of like it's it's indicative of like how the dominant culture, uh, which in this country and in most countries it's, it's European, is white people, and yeah. their image is always portrayed as the default or the normal. So if you see anything in other countries, uh, white people are usually the default uh, language. Like oh, it was deep to me how. The Egyptians had British accents. And I know that might seem like a little thing, but it's like, wow, like that concept of the only way we can articulate, you know, intelligent people are with a British or European accent. Like that has a deep psychological, you know, impact on people. Yeah. Much like, much like, um, I never, I saw, I saw the, the movie, The Green Hornet. Obviously I'm not Asian. But I was like, they could have really did a much better like part with the Asian counterpart. Like, if he's supposed yeah. to represent Bruce Lee, don't give him, you know, a bunch of one-liners or whatever. Like, it, it, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I see the same thing in, in Asian uh, in Asian media. Being being a minority, I see how other people kind of go through stuff too. Yeah. It's like, hmm. Let's let's see let's see how they're gonna do this one guy. It's like if you're Asian, you're pigeonholed into being like a lawyer, a doctor, or like some high professional or kung fu. 
Yeah. It's, it's no emotions. It's no, it's no like diverse. I mean, in Asian uh, media, like uh, Korean uh, films or, um, I, I actually like a lot of uh, Asian films. I like the drama uh, yeah. outside of America. It's we're very complex, very uh, layered. But right, here, right. it's 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 either kung fu or you're a scientist. Right. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's very it's very much pigeonholed. Just like black people, even like the villain or the thug or black right. guy to the left. Say your one line, and then it cuts to the you know it's. It, it gets it's it's important for people to recognize that it's a reason why other nationalities aren't shown uh, or they're not portrayed in media. It 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 takes away from the concept that um, white people are the best race or the greatest race, Ooh. and they don't show different aspects. So, I mean, that's 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 just it's easier to show. Um, it's easy to show the world like your version of history if you're the ones that's controlling the information that's put if out there. If you got the money, yeah, you got you're holding the money, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, it's not only, just the right. Go ahead. It's the sorry. It's the winners that that actually portray history, right? Correct. So, I mean, Attorney General William Barr just said that recently. Yeah. He did something screwed up, and then he's like, you know, it doesn't matter. The winners actually dictate what history is going to be told. I mean, it's it's very interesting um, the way that things are being played out in the world, especially like what's going on in the actual White House. Not politically, <laughs> just the people who work at the White House, like the way they interact and the way like a lot of the infighting, the concept of, you know, we're going to do what we want to do. You can't live like that. <laughs> it's rules and regulations, and now a lot of stuff is coming to, to the forefront, and a lot of it's based off ignorance and uh, arrogance, and that kind of trickles down to every other aspect we see in uh, in society, at least in America. It's, it's, it's arrogance and ignorance. So, so let let's get into it. I think if I if I'm not mistaken, you're talking about white supremacy. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, let's be real, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. But but um, if I may ask, let's why don't we, let's break it down like science. Like sure. you're, you're you're a doctor, right? Sure. So, uh, let's define some terms. What to you? What's what is white supremacy? I you know. What a wonderful question. So, <laughs> uh, white supremacy is the. Hmm. White supremacy is the concept or um, the exercise in making sure that uh, white people are superior or making sure that the concept of, of white supremacy is believed. Um, it's, there's a, I'm trying to, I have to look up the doctor and send it to you a little bit later. There's a concept about um, gen fear of genetic annihilation. Um, mm. on a global scale for white people. And this shows up as uh, needing resources or being afraid of resources being too thin. So you'll see this in, you know, throughout history, everything was based on colonizing other areas, getting resources, making sure you have a, a stronghold on those resources and uh, making sure no one else had access to that. Or if they wanted access to it, they had to go through you. 
and we see this throughout uh, European history, uh, everywhere. And today in, in America, the, the concept of fear of genetic annihilation is seen in a lot of ways in all aspects via uh, medicine, uh, science, or like we talked about with the media. If you keep portraying other people as less than, psychologically, it's a lot easier for people to treat them that way and to keep them in that uh, space. And mentally, people start to believe that they're less than. Mm. So when you tell a whole group of people that, you know, your history is slavery, that's not necessarily true. Mm. Uh, American history is a very small amount of history on a, you know, grand scale of things, like 200, 400 years. It's not a very, very long period of time compared to other countries. Um, however, that's what you're, you know, force fit uh, the, the slavery narrative, not what was happening in Africa and all that interconnected trading that was going on with Africa and Asia and the Middle East and other other countries. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's I mean, it's still seen today. Africa has gold, diamonds, coffee, it has everything. Yet you have people who are still not in control of their own resources, the European countries are definitely uh, trying to trying to keep that stranglehold on, on the resources there yeah. and making sure that the population stay low helps with that. Um, I mean, so, yeah. so like, so maybe hypothetically, if there was a such thing as Wakanda, maybe they shouldn't share their resources. Yeah, I mean. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> the concept of Wakanda has an interesting... Um, it has an interesting um, like connotation. Like in the movie Black Panther, they played with the idea of um, like being inclusive with the rest of the world yeah. versus you know Killmonger. isolationism. Or yeah, yeah. Well, Killmonger was a little Killmonger, different. <laughs> well, I mean, I, he was more like you know we have the resources to you know spread the kingdom of Wakanda versus let's keep Wakanda right here and we're safe right here. Mm. How that would apply like in real life, I think that um, I think that the black community, and this is my own opinion, I don't speak for all black people in this, I think sure. the black community <laughs> in certain aspects can learn, uh, uh, can, can take a lot of information or, or can take a lot of techniques from the Asian community as far as inclusiveness. They're very much on um, sticking together and they make sure that if anyone wants to come inside their culture and learn or get anything, you have to earn it. You don't just give stuff away for free. And I think right. that Africa has done that far, far, far too many times mm. with everything. Um, you know, everything. <laughs> so Resources. That's, that's yeah, okay, yeah, yeah resources uh you know science information everything like it's 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 thousands of years of history that people are unaware of of you know what was happening in africa and, and how how big their kingdoms were and what was happening and now it's just oh it's it's a third world continent and no one really has any clean water mm. but that's where science and math and everything else came from so it's but if you tell people, oh, they're just slaves and they just have no electricity and 
and they don't have phones, then people will just always have that image. Yeah, yeah. People rarely see skyscrapers in any African country, but they're there. People <laughs> barely see you know, 10 bedroom homes in Africa, but they're there. Like my dad's from Ghana. I've been to Ghana. I've seen oh. what they have there. So it's like, it's very different when you see a documentary of National Geographic. It, it's akin to if you only saw Montana, or if you only saw, uh, you know, Yellowstone National Park, you thought, wow, no one lives in America. They really need to get together with homes and electricity. What's going on over there? That's that's what they're showing you on National Geographic. It's gotcha, like a field. Yeah. It's like, so, yeah, some of those people live out there, but they have cities behind you. So, <laughs> but yeah. Dan, um, did you want to comment on that? Uh, you, what, do you, what do you think about that kind of definition of white supremacy and, and that I guess stereotype of Africa or I mean the, as far as like the supremacy thing is concerned I mean I think all homogeneous cultures have that at some point or another I know in Japan they had that as well like uh, it was Japan was supre supreme and China was that way too that's why they closed off everything at one point right so it's not unusual it's just that right now the European countries have uh, dominated most of the world. So. And that's, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's no, I have no issue with people making sure that, you know, that they're taken care of, you yeah. know, making sure that resources are allotted and that everyone is, is well, that's fine. When you make up a very small, like, portion of the global population, yeah, yeah. You've, made, you've made a point that all <laughs> resources you're aware of, that's, that's a problem. Like if other people are being injured, if if your way of if, if your system of existence is detrimental to other people, then that's not conducive to you know harmony. Um, yeah, it, it's it's like the only reason uh, white supremacy is dangerous is because it has violent ways of of existing. Yeah. In order to be, in order to, you know, white supremacy, in order for them to stay, you know, supreme, I'm using quotes, <laughs> you have to, you have to make sure that other people never rise up in that, that's a system. That's yeah. the whole institutionalized racism uh, that, that we talk about in America, where it's, it's so, it's integrated so well, it looks normal. Yes. Good it's point. Like, good point. It's like it's it's into if 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 you have a really good system, you shouldn't like a, a really good car. When you turn it on, if the engine's super loud, you're like, what's going on with this? But if it's smooth and quiet, and goes from zero to sixty in two seconds, that's what supremacy is. Everything is cool, and then it's not. In zero to sixty, it's a well-oiled engine, a well-oiled machine. I mean, it's. We, we think about what happened with George Floyd and the concept of thank God it was on camera. Yeah. yeah. That's how that's how good the machine is. Because no matter what you say as a black person, ah, he's probably lying. <laughs> about getting a gun pulled on him, like that's that's a very specific lie. Every time, every time they're lying about the same thing. And I think I think that's interesting that like the concept of you know black people having to validate their humanity uh so that they don't die 
And then unfortunately, after they die, they still have to validate their mind, you know, their humanity in order to get any type of legal justice or anything right. like that. So, um, well, and I, go ahead. I, I, I was reading the People's History of the United States, and it's a very hard book for me to read. Yes. Like, I read a few pages and you just kind of like stop um, because it's all atrocious. And one of the points I think that that book made was, uh, at least during the founding of the, the country, was that they the the rich people actually needed the poor white people to be on board with them and then they started indoctrinating the idea that even though they're poor they're still superior than the black people who are the slaves and that just kept on going on going forward in the last 200 years or whatever it is this country's um, been around and that, and that's just part of the systemic racism that you were talking about it's just the white part of the system poor. the white people are still poor but they think, oh, at least I'm better than, even though there might not be. <laughs> but that, yeah. it's just, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. You're right. That's that's exactly. That's exactly right. Um, so it, it's not it's not the rich people or the elites are basically dividing and conquering by sowing discord between the the people who are not them, mm-hmm. and then it's just. It's just gone on for over 200 years, 400 years since uh, Christopher Columbus came here or whatever, 1497. So, yeah, 500 years, 400 something years. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay, I guess let's let's talk about George Floyd. Um, okay. We saw, everyone saw the video or parts of it. Yeah. Uh, the of guy, course. Yeah, yeah, the guy kneeling on his yeah. neck. How can um, you not? Okay, so we're all we're all martial artists here. Um, I'll go first. I've studied some Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but I don't have to study Brazilian jiu-jitsu to know that after a man passes out and you still continue to apply pressure to those arteries, that blood flow is going to stop going to his brain, and so he's he's going to die. But he's not responsive. He's unconscious. So. To continue applying pressure is murder. Mm-hmm. Can we? I mean, is there any disagreement here, martial artist? Is there anything I'm missing? You're, you're... No. <laughs> My professional opinion is yes. If you choke anyone or stop them from breathing too long, it will result in death. That's that's accurate. Um, it takes, I believe, four minutes. Uh, for the brain when it has starved oxygen after four minutes you pass out and you keep going after that and it's you know bad you get a lot of oxygen uh, brain cells start dying it's it's not good so um for that whole George Floyd video that was that was hard to watch uh, it, it, it's it's a it's a few different things with that on a you know physical level Yes, if you put your knee specifically on the carotid artery, it wasn't just his neck. Okay. Yeah. Um, in, in in martial arts, no, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm talking for everyone. As you guys right. know this, but for yeah. martial arts, you know, if you see a person, you're not just seeing the opponent. You're seeing the openings. You're seeing what joints they have that's vulnerable, what acupressure points, what meridians, whatever, whatever system you use, you're aware of what's going on. Everyone knows that if you hit, get hit in the neck too hard or if you, you know, put your arms around someone's neck or you just stop any type of circulation, bad things happen. 
that being said, you don't have to be trained to know that you don't put your knee on, you don't put your knee on anything's neck. Yeah. Cat, dog, person, anything. Like, you just don't. So for them to do that for nine minutes and for people to say, you know, he, he, you're, you're doing too much and for three other cops to be there and for everyone to still say, mm, you probably had a pre-existing condition because, you know, black people, <laughs> they like fried chicken and, you know, high blood pressure and probably he was doing drugs because, you know, on the actual video, he, they're saying, oh, well, this is what happens when you do drugs as he's kneeling on his neck. Um, so that has a lot of deep connotation as far as, you know, I could break that whole sentence down. You have three people on an adult man. That gives the, you know, the, the indication of the mindset of he's stronger than us. We all need to sit on top of an adult man because that's the only way we can hold a conversation with him. Uh, black people have the, the um, I guess, the, what, what, what did they, I'm trying to think of how to say, the animalistic strength. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Suits. The, so the, the Mandingo stereotype. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right, the Mandingo stereotype. So that's one. So that's why, you know, so many people are uh, abusing and brutalizing Black people. Specifically for George Floyd, three people on an adult, one adult person, because just in case he gets angry, right? You have someone who's on their neck, and, you know, he's obviously going through the different stages of death on camera, explaining what pain oh. he feels, how his body's shutting down, all that stuff. Yeah. Yet, they say, well, this is what happens when you're on drugs. <laughs> That's indicative of he's black, and you know how they always like that crack cocaine, which was pushed into the community via the CIA. Um, but that's a whole different topic that no one really talks too much about. Uh, and and it's, 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 it's a lot. And it was a whole lot of, like, when you grow up listening to that or you grow up seeing that a lot, it's, um, it affects you. It affects you. And, and it's unfortunate that um, the, best that, the best thing that could have happened was his death get videotaped. Right. And that's, that's, that's the reality in, in Black America. Like, hopefully you get shot in front of a camera if you're Black. Because then people might rally around and say something. You think of uh, <clears throat> the Mr. Mr. Um, um, uh, Aubrey. Uh, Aubrey in yeah. Georgia. Apparently, um, you know, that, that tape was a snippet of many more minutes. He was that, hit by the car you know, or something. Or, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's 2020 and people are, you know, oh, how horrible. But as a black person, it's like, I know how the history of Georgia. That sounds like any other lynching I've read about in a textbook or seen in a movie. So it's, it's unfortunate that, uh, again, like being, being black, it's, it's, this, it's this fine line in America where you have to conscien uh, con constantly and consciously make yourself the least threatening person in the room mm. at all times. Um, so that, that usually translates into, you know, people have way more emotional suppression. 
uh, because you don't want to be either the angry black woman or God forbid the angry black man. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, your life could be in danger if you show any type of emotion other than happiness uh, in in society. So. And I'm um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean that's that's just one of one one of many things, but it's it's uh you just learn all these things and you just grow up and you learn how to like control the situation with how you present yourself at all times. It's a form of kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> it's a right. form of kung fu that that you learn dealing with white supremacy. Uh, um, so it's, it's definitely. Uh, it's definitely a, a task, but you can still get shot for jogging. Yeah. You can still get <laughs> shot for, you know. Even you if you tick all the boxes. Sleeping. <laughs> right. Like Sorry, what was that, Dan? You can be sleeping at home. Right. You can be sleeping at home and get shot. Right. So so it's, so it's a lot of the stuff that we see uh, today, it's, it's a culmination of 400 years, you know, in this country of white supremacy. Yeah. I'm not just blaming America. They, they, these are merely the children of the UK. And, mm. and who did they learn from? Like, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, it's a global issue. Uh, America is just the one that's dealing with it right now. So I, I'm kind of curious, your dad is from Africa, from Ghana. Yes. And then yes. your, is your mom also from Africa or she's African American or? Oh no, she's 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 African American. She she's from Chicago. Okay. So yeah. you're kind of oh that's interesting. So you're kind of like uh, a mixed generation. I'm generic. literally African American. Yeah. You're, yeah. I'm, I'm literally African American. Uh, but it's that also has a very unique, I guess, uh, aspect to it. Having a father who you know an immigrant, it's a very different uh, perspective on being disciplined with education, okay. uh, being disciplined with, you know, having goals. So, you know, I, that was more of my focus growing up. Like I have a path and I know what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do. That really helped me out a lot. And that coupled with, um, I guess, pattern recognition okay. uh, or, or just being aware, it, it definitely helps you to see certain things that could lead towards issues with the police or mm. issues with random white person located here you know <laughs> so it's it's it kind of it kind of helps uh it, it helped having a, a father from ghana um but also having a mom from america having that balance and definitely kung fu saved my life <laughs> just just knowing how to be aware just situational awareness so all those things are be uh, definitely beneficial for me. Yeah. I'm, are I'm, you teaching your kids like Kung Fu? When I have some, I will. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. I, 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 uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I definitely will be teaching my children all of the things that I don't teach outside students. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, name, name it. Yeah, yeah. Closed doors, closed doors. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. The, clo the closed door secrets. Of, of Udang, the, the few things I've learned. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's negligent at this point as a black person, um, specifically to not have any form of self defense or have a, a way to care yourself. Um, yes, 
because it's uh, what, what, what martial arts, specifically what Qigong taught me, uh, the Wudong system of Qigong was very much uh, useful in helping me with aura projection, not to get too esoteric, but just posture, how you right. hold yourself will project a certain type of aura or air about who you are, what you're about, what you will and won't deal with. And just having, uh, you know, control and stature will definitely put out certain ways uh, people approach you, um, or, or it affects the way uh, people approach you. So I, I can I can walk out Chicago 2 a.m. in the morning, Southside, nothing happens. So martial arts is definitely helping with that. I'm also around a lot of black people, so <laughs> that's, that, that, that's 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 a different that's a different aspect than walking up north at 2 a.m. as a black man. But still, knowing how to, you know, navigate uh, that those situations, you know. I want to get into that, like your path to Qigong and, and martial arts. When, when did that kind of mm -hmm. start for you? Um, as far did, Was it college? Was it even younger? Like, what got you? I, I know Dan's path, like, and, and we've talked about before, uh, like, you know, it was something cool. Like, oh, Asians are doing something cool. We, you know, we're seen as, like, losers or whatever in the, uh, especially Asian-American men, mm -hmm. right, in, in the media. But, like, oh, mm -hmm. at least we got kung fu, right? So mm -hmm. that's kind of, like, you know, I know that was dance. But for myself personally, it was, like, I started with karate. But, yeah, I'm curious to hear about your own path uh, to martial arts. Um, I don't, I don't have any, like, coming to Jesus moment. I, I just, I just, I watched a lot of anime growing up and I, Dragon Ball Z was the one thing that got me interested because I noticed a pattern of powering up or energy yes. or chi. And I was like, every anime talks about the same shit? Like how? Like what do they, what do they know? That was my first like clue about there's something about this. Everyone can't, all myths, all legends come from some type of truth or exaggerated truth. And that was my, that was my mindset. I was like, there's something to this. Then uh, I was 16 and I saw the movie Kiss of the Dragon. My uncle took me to the theater to see that movie. And I was like, I want to do that when I grow up. <laughs> I, so I, I, looked at, I looked at acupuncture um, at school. Like I just did a lot of research uh, I looked up acupuncture. I looked up vibrational medicine. I was doing research on uh, electromagnetic fields in like cellular regeneration, bioelectromagnetics, a lot of different things. Uh, I grew up, this is an important detail I forgot to leave out. So I grew up uh, about Jehovah's Witness, deep oh. into religion. Right. <laughs> so I had all these questions about what this stuff was because. Um, you know, I used to do like little energy balls or whatever when I was a kid. And I was like, that's that's about it. I knew something was there. I was like, my hands get hot and I can't ask anyone else any uh, other questions. So I did a lot of research. Uh, about 18 is when I went to the library and just got books on Qigong, and like Chinese diet and things like that. And I taught myself from books. Uh, there was a book by Paul Dong called uh, Qigong, the ancient Chinese way to help. And I remember looking at the back of the book, like reading the book, and it would say certain things. And I was like, really? 
you can meditate and make the tips of your of your fingers glow. I'm gonna call bullshit on that. Until later <laughs> on, uh, like years later, I read a book called The Body Electric, which spoke about uh, like bioelectro uh, bioelectricity in the body and how it deals with cells having regenerate and heal based on magnetic fields and how your bones have the ability to get denser and they glow at certain currents of electrical uh, flow through them. It was a lot of crazy stuff, but that helped me put two and two together with this is the part the Western world knows is cheap. And this is what they were saying in that other book. And I just put the two together to help me understand for me, like what was going on. And I just, just kind of kept going through there. Uh, you know, through Chinese medical school, that definitely helped. But I, honestly, I learned the most from David. I, oh, really? I learned the most. Yeah, like, sadly, not sadly. I, I mean, I paid way more money in school than I did for his <laughs> class. And, and I learned more from him uh, because it was more of the application of qi or the application uh, of how qi and yin and yang manifest in the body. And ultimately, uh, that was that's kind of the system or the path that led me to understand everything else is just variations of trying to balance yin and yang. And how did you find David? So I met David by the stars. So I, I, I picked this school, uh, Academy of Chinese Culture and Health Sciences in Oakland. Okay. Brand, uh, a student told me about that in Chicago, uh, here, and I left the school I was at and I went out there. I met David's, at the time, fiance, Najia, who was studying there. I never met David before. I didn't know anything about Najia. I barely talked to her. This guy, David, comes to a, um, a CEU course I was, I was doing. He had his robes at the time, his Wudong robes. And I was like, who's this guy? I didn't know anything about him. I, I was like, you know, what is he talking about? What is he doing? And he did. He led a little Qigong class, like in the break of the CEU uh, class we were doing. And I remember we were doing like some standing meditation and I felt points open up. I was like, hmm, okay, that's different. I think I'm going to follow this guy for a while. They, they, they had to get me to come to class. It took me about six months. <laughs> but uh, after I started, I got into it, and that was – it made so much more sense to me. Um, like, physically, it made sense to me. And I could actually apply what I was learning. I noticed my massages changed. Acupuncture changed. The way I, like, connect herbs changed. It was very different. Just for our listeners, yeah. we're talking about David Wei. He's over at uh, – what's uh, – Udang West, is it called? Or Udang – Wudong West. Yeah, Wudong uh, West. Wudong West or Wudong West uh, Cultural Heritage Center. Right. Uh, in Oakland, California. A wonderful does, he, does he also do the Wudong sword? Um, I don't believe that uh, David learned that system. Um, I do have other Kung Fu brothers, uh, excuse me, Kung Fu uncles from Wudong who know the sword system because that's what Wudong is known for. Mm, They're right. sword side. Um, but he was very much into developing just hand-to-hand and the healing arts. Uh, he was like, I don't need a weapon. This is enough. I like, all right, I respect it. I respect it. So, do, you, do you know weapons or yeah. you're more of a hand-to-hand 
guy yourself or I'm more of a hands so I'm I'm the only person who uh who you taught Iron Body to. Um because I'm the only one crazy enough to still do <laughs> to be myself. So um I never really I would like to get I would like to learn a weapon system. Like I, I would like to go to Dong and study specifically uh Dai uh Dai Five element, five element of the Dai Wuxing farm. That's the system I would like to learn. Um, it's like five element fist or something. It's, oh. it's it's really beautiful. It's like five element of the extreme fist. It's it's a very beautiful system. Oh. Um, but it's no weapons. Um, I'm weapons are cool. If I were to pick a weapon, I would say staff. Okay. Personally. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait. The five elements. Is that the tai, is that a Tai Chi style? No. It's Wudong. Wudong. It's a Wudong. It's like a boxing. Uh, dai Yi Wu Xing Chuan. That's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very esoteric system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. That's that's something I would I would definitely like to learn. Um, it just just looks so beautiful. But uh, and and it's very destructive. Okay. We see we see movements. That's why another thing that I like about Wudong is beautiful destruction. <laughs> like these very pretty flowers with extremely sharp thorns. But uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. you mentioned one thing that it's a. You were saying it's a little bit. Uh, it's almost imperative for for black people to study martial arts for self-defense yes and yes what we're seeing right now is we're seeing protests we're also seeing violent protests as well um and i mean i guess i kind of want to connect the martial arts back to maybe people are looking for solutions people are angry furious you know rightfully so unarmed black men are being killed in in the system covid19 is killing the black population in america at high high rates much higher rates than other races right and, and white people and so there's a lot of frustration and anger what and people are looking for solutions and you know pro, there's protesting i think that's a manifestation of this kind of pent-up rage and also uh this need for change uh i mean one solution i heard from robert who, who i guess is unfo- he can't make it what uh, robert j arnold was saying uh police officers have to you know, they all have to be martial artists because that way they know how to understand, you know, body mechanics and that you shouldn't put your knee on someone for that long or they'll die. I mean, there's the other part of it where like, well, do you really want to give these weapons, these hand-to-hand weapons to police officers? So I guess my question to you is like, is there a way that in, in which, I don't know, the martial arts or qigong can help alleviate some of the problems or not maybe maybe we've got to look at it from a different angle uh yeah i don't know it's just since you're a martial artist and you're you're also very passionate about um you know the black movement and and, and black lives matter uh yeah i guess we're, we're, people are looking for answers man <laughs> so as far as uh Qigong, how that would have helped 
the black community. Uh, Qigong ultimately is, or at least the, the way that the one aspect that I think would be most useful uh, would be health. I think that the health of, of black people, like you said, is definitely at risk, not just from the police, but from basic uh, health discrepancies or, or health inequalities. We see there's plenty of people who can't afford to not go to work. These are the essential workers. So they're in a position where they're more likely to get sick for the simple fact they're just more exposed. They're, they're more of the people who, are, who will be exposed. Uh, also, you have underlying uh, factors where certain areas or many areas in where the black community is predominantly located, they're uh, what we call food deserts where uh, a lot of the grocery stores, they either don't have good quality food or it's like rotten vegetables at a lot of these stores. Versus you go to Whole Foods, you go to another store in a suburb, it's much fresher fruits, it's much more variety of fruits and vegetables. But that shit's expensive um, though. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's much more expensive over here because you, you also are shipping food. Unlike uh, California, right. you're, you know, things get shipped, but it's like 50 miles <laughs> versus a whole different country or a few states over uh, to, to get to Illinois. Um, another thing is the psycho-emotional aspect. When you have children who, people, children, adults, men, women, who grow up constantly in a society where you know, their lives can get taken at any moment for no reason. That's stressful. A lot of people deal with that. A lot of children, they grow up and they're used to seeing, you know, <clears throat> you think about the amount of black people who've been killed in the last four or five years and how many of those cases we've seen on television. If you have a 10 year old child and they keep seeing that, what does that do to them like mentally? I mean, you keep seeing bodies that look like you laid out on the street for hours before people come and do anything, or for years before people even acknowledge it deserves a court case. So I think that a lot of the frustration or like pent up energy, you're seeing that explode to a certain degree in these protests, even though a lot of those uh, protests, they tie those to like outside art anarchists and things like that uh, um, that have tried to put Black Lives Matter as oh they're the ones doing it they've, there's videos of people spray painting BLM yeah. and like destroying things and there's also right. videos of pallets of rocks sitting outside yes I've seen those so you think about the, the conversation is Black Lives Matter not we're more important, not black people are supreme, we matter. And they try and defame this movement with, we're not going to say destroy property, we're just going to put these bricks here. We're not going to say they did it, we're just, oh, it's, it's very passionate. Yes, some people are looting their own communities, that's very true. Yes, some people are tearing down businesses, that's very true. Um, I, I think that that's not nearly as long lasting as the amount of lives have been snuffed out, uh, you know, from police. So, uh, the, all that tension, or, you know, what we call in, in Chinese medicine, liver yang rising. Yeah. 
that that's what we say to break it down from a medical standpoint when the yang rises it's because it's no yin to root it hmm. and when you think about roots you think about you know kidneys yeah uh kidneys are water and uh liver is wood element so you think about nothing's nourishing these people you have no root go back to what i said about the psycho-emotional aspect if you have a people who don't know their history or they don't know their roots then they have nothing to ground them so when you have a group of people who you've taken out everything that grounds them breaking up the family household uh you breaking up people's ability to get generational wealth through redlining through you know banking uh, it, it's a lot of discrimination in the financial aspect as far as who gets a business loan who gets a home loan little things like that uh, for many years black people weren't even allowed to get life insurance policies which also was another uh way pathway to generational wealth you know later on so it's a lot of different things that um black people will have to take on themselves to heal personally um, from the trauma but uh there was no but to it i think i think qigong is definitely the answer for for black people now as far as that in, in martial arts as far as developing self-discipline and body awareness it would definitely help empower a lot of people that being said as far as martial arts go um with the police department i hear what with uh was it robert that said that yeah yeah, about yeah. Police? i I've, i've thought about that a lot too but i've also um thought about how hard it is to find a good martial arts teacher and a lot of the <laughs> traditional concepts of we're not going to teach you this thing because you personally are not ready for it whether you're not emotionally stable enough you're not mentally stable enough physically you might have to work on some things before we teach you this there's steps you have to mold the mind you have to mold the body uh to perform efficient you know martial arts if you have a culture of individuals first off let's talk about the history of, of, of the police department i think that's something that a lot of people don't understand with animosity between black people and police come from the police department or the police period uh started a slave patrol they would go and collect property or make sure property wouldn't run away the slaves oh. they just transformed into the fraternal order of police many years later with the same connotation of you know oh. black people getting killed i didn't yeah. know that so the police department the roots of the police department are for catching runaway slaves correct wow and in a lot of people yeah so when you have that context it's a lot more um it, it's it's a lot more things that kind of click when you, when you have that versus what's all this you know the police have never done anything to me i don't understand what the big deal is just follow the rules <laughs> police are there to protect property that's it <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 a whole lot of legalese that goes behind that but police are there to protect uh well protect you know, and property. serve right yeah right. And, and who are they serving who, you know who, who are they protecting it's i think that teaching martial arts to police may exacerbate the problem simply because 
the chances of you training one officer for two to three years in something so that they understand this is what you do and this is what you don't do probably won't happen. Huh. Also, coupled with the concept of, you know, my life is at risk. I have a very dangerous job. They're out to get me at any point in time. I'm sure some police officers feel that way. I'm sure they might be in situations where that might actually be the case. However, for the other, you know, 99% of us, like, it's, it's, you probably don't want to give a person who's shown signs of sociopathic tendencies more <laughs> tools. You, you don't, you don't, I mean, if, I don't know how to sugarcoat that. Like, if you, if you have people as a group who keep kneeling on individuals' necks, Fuck. Within the same week that people are marching because you kneeled on someone's neck, I I don't know. Like they keep saying police reform. You can't you can't change a culture that works off of violence and corruption and terrorism. Uh, it's no incentive. Dan, what do you think about that? Uh, the police learning martial arts. Uh, again, I think it's about the teachers, right? If you have a really good teacher, you're obviously going to, if the teacher knows their values and all that stuff, they can weed out all the people who are like, oh, this person's probably not going to be fit for learning more than what I already taught them and just start weeding them out. But at that point, you're not going to have much of a police force, which <laughs> could or could not be bad, you know, or good. So... I mean, Shannon, I, I mean, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just curious about, I was going to kind of segue to like maybe your own personal experiences with the police. Like have, have you personally felt threatened or, you know, or people in your close circle uh, have experienced, you know, police brutality or, you know, Discrimination, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I've been pulled over. Me and my friend were when I lived in Nashville. I used to live. I used to uh, work at the Nissan plant, and I remember we were running late to work. You know, driving quick, swerving, trying to switch lanes to hurry up and get there because you don't want to be late for your shift that night. And the cops pulled us over. They were asking us, you know, if everything was okay, if we had any drugs in the car. I was like, no. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just mints, you know, because it says Altoids. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know, like <laughs> things like that. It's it, when, when, yeah, that, that, that was, that was one ex personal experience. And I was just like, wow, I don't understand. Like what are you guys on drugs? That's, that's a huge, like you got to do some detective work. You just can't, be, <laughs> just can't ask that question. Like. Out of all the questions, that's the second one. Cool. All right. But I, I, I don't know. Like, like I've personally made sure that I am – I keep a low profile. I keep to myself. Um, I'm kind of a nerd. I train. I work. I go home. That's not saying that I'm more safe than the, the other black people, but I, I make sure that I um, – I tend to keep certain patterns where I'm, I'm, I'm focused on where I need to be and, and I'm not in any situations that's precarious. I always have the aura of 
stay away from me. So people right. just walk away, and that's and that's that's what, what works for me. But I don't really, as as I've gotten older, and again my martial arts training, I I I give all thanks to David. Um, it's definitely helped me in how again how I prove how I just prove, how I show myself in the world, how I move through the world, and and I can do that at any time, any day. Certain crowds of people may feel certain ways when I'm there because of, you know, how I might present myself or how I hold myself. But apart from that, I don't really have any overt, overt racism as well. That's not true. I just, I tend not to get as upset about it. I'll call it out in little ways, be like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's wrong. And I, I move on. Like it was a, it was a old coworker who called me a, a wrong name because she thought I was another coworker who also was black. Okay. But it was like four black people that work in the whole shift. And I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm the other black guy. Uh, he did. I do. You know, details. I don't have hair. <laughs> he does. Little things like that, you know, but you, you, you get used to it. I mean, I'm sure people, all Asians look the same. That's not true. Right. That's not true at all. <laughs> it's like Chinese people do not look Japanese. They do not look Korean. They do not look Laotian. It's very very different so it's uh it's little things like that that gets annoying but you, you get used to it um because it's just tiring to to carry sock puppets and, you know crayons <laughs> to explain things, uh, to, to people but but yeah that, that's, that's generally how it is i mean th- then the question it begs the question should we be used to it you mentioned before the norm. What is the norm? The norm for America has been white people on top, white supremacy, and institutional racism. It's like the like I saw this video, um, a tweet of basically a professor just asked a crowd, a crowd of white people, uh, uh, anyone here? Raise your hand if you would be okay being black in America. This is in America, right? And not one white person raised their hand. And she's like, okay, why is that? I think it's because you all understand that in some way, shape, or form, being black in America is worse than being white. And that it's, you know... And it's just a very simple question. Would you, would you be okay? You know, would you switch being black? You know? uh, so I guess, yeah, then yeah. what can we, yeah, let me know if you have to go. I, I just, I just want to. Get... Well, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> my, my girlfriend was getting my attention. This, this is, this is fine. It's, okay. It's all good. Um, so. There's, there's, as with any, as with any movement, as with any group, there are different, mm-hmm. there's a spectrum. Police mm-hmm. reform, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Let's reform the police. Let's, let's, there's, a, uh, there are, uh, there's rules of, uh, rules of use of uh, coercive behavior. That There's codes of coercive behavior in police departments. And so Minnesota just recently banned, uh, the use of strangleholds and chokeholds, you know, because of obviously current events. Um, and then 
there's so like putting these in place to reduce these kinds of incidences. Then you got the um, you got uh, black socialists who want or extreme like uh, extreme leftists, and um, they could be from any race, but particularly like the extreme uh, the black left want a complete abolishment of the police system, like just tear just burn it all down. So. My question is, and I know this is a very, you know, this, you don't represent all black people. As, as Dan and I, we do not represent all Asian people, right? But I just wanted to get your, own personal, your own personal opinion on paths forward because um, I know solidarity is a path. Uh, you know, Yellow Peril supports black power. Uh, you know, Asians for Black Lives Matter. I think these are great. These are some very, very touching uh, uh instances of solidarity we're seeing it currently right but like what about the police state in america like should it okay burn it all down reform it somewhere in between it's like i don't know i'm not educated enough maybe and i i'm just wondering if you had just some you know just some thoughts just from your research and from what you've seen in the news like yeah what are some possible paths and, and dan maybe same for you as well yeah Well, um, as far as like police reform, <laughs> I my my reflex would be to say abolish them because of the <laughs> whole the, the the whole you know it's there'd be way less police you know shootings if there weren't any police. However, there is, there is a place for the police department as far as when it comes to first responders when we have you know issues like that. Um, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people are doing things like they're not uh, funding. Uh, they're, they're trying to defund the police in certain yeah. states. Um, they're also trying to, which I don't know why they let this happen, but they're cutting um, the police department's ability to get access to like surplus military uh, yeah. equipment. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean. Military there, police, been, man, yeah. Well, yeah. So when you have people, you know, who are in some small town and they have a budget where we want a tank and they get a tank, it's like, what situation is that necessary? You know, when, when we're dealing about, when we're dealing with people that you're supposed to protect and serve, at what point are, you know, night vision goggles and AR-15s, like, who are your enemies? What, 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 I, I'm, I'm curious to know, because I'm not an officer, I've never trained as a cop, I don't know what it's like. I know it's some pretty bad stuff out there, and I know it's, you know, there's some horrible things that they see, but at the end of the day, I didn't see the same type of military might when people were upset because they were inside too long and they wanted to go back to their businesses so they express themselves with guns and everything else and march to, you know, the, their, their politicians' place of business and said, you better, you know, stop all this quarantine right now. Yeah. All we said is, hey, can you, can you not kill us? That'd be great. And they used bullets and tear gas, and now there's a barricade in front of the White House. And I'm confused <laughs> as to how that's beneficial 
if that's the response, um, specifically towards black people. There was, there was literally individuals with rocket launchers because they couldn't get out of their house, you know, and they were out marching with all types of weapons, but people are like, don't shoot me. And, and that's considered controversial. So I don't know what type of reform the police would have to go through. Um, that would make them beneficial to the public yet still keeping them relatively safe. Um, I think that one thing that we should do is only give them guns with rubber bullets. Um, I know they would find a way to kill people, but if they did, immediately, you're guilty. It's like, how did you kill someone with rubber bullets? What were you doing? You know? Right. Like, I think that would be very useful um, if they would not use tear gas or other weapons that you would use you know, in, in war situations, mm. that could be useful. Um, I, I think, I think what um, America deals with as a country is, and I just look at it as TCM. It's false young. It's false. It's false power. Um, when you don't have real power, you overexert. It's like you know, wolves don't bark, but chihuahuas do, mm. and that's what I think. You know, when you have a group based on fear and not training and not situational awareness, we have officers who used to be actual soldiers and Marines. They have, you know, situational awareness. They know when to shoot and when not to shoot. They understand rules of engagement. When you have individuals in small towns who got picked on or whatever and they have issues and they, they have this power fantasy, that's when things get dangerous. Uh. That's that's when you have individuals pushing seventy-five-year-old men in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. For no, it's like it, at what point do we keep allowing "I was in fear of my life" to be an excuse when they're literally killing people? Yeah. As the, as the result, I've never. If I had guns like that and I saw someone, I'm not afraid. I have body armor. What would I yeah. be afraid of? I have all these, I have more clips if I need it. I have nothing to fear. I'm prepared for this one situation. Yeah. If I'm coming to you with body armor and weapons and ways to restrain you, and you're just sitting in your car, at what point are we going to keep allowing the lie of, I was really afraid and they lunged for my gun and I didn't know what to do? Really? Really? That's... That's that's what we're supposed to believe. Brianna so, Taylor was just sleeping, right? I mean, yeah. Come on, and yeah. like you barge into someone's home without knocking, the no knock policy, like. Well, not just that. The person that they were looking for was already in custody. Yeah. So it goes. <laughs> so so it, it, when when you say reform the police, you know it's it's more than just you know, make them understand how to deal with, with black people and have them less, you know, be less violent or whatever. Police officers have proven that they are not, they're not that smart. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're not that smart as, as, as a group. Uh, there are certain patterns that we continue to see as a country that always look so confusing. Like we, we don't understand you shot 107 times at two people? Why? You had to reload. At what point 
bears don't need 107 bullets. Like, what what are you doing? So, you know, it, it's 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 case upon case upon case upon case of different uh, exaggerated forms of force that the police department has used on black and brown people and just terrorizing community. Not even, you know, shooting people or kneeling on them, just beating them up, mm. harassing mentally disabled, uh, sexual assault, rape in certain cases with some officers and, and women. So it's it's a lot of things that the news doesn't cover, but hopefully George Floyd will make uh, more things more, I guess, uh, accessible for the rest of, of the world to understand. I think education would definitely be good for like global uh, or, or social race relations. But as far as police, I don't understand if compassion or being showing them how to be more human would change any reason for them to stop shooting people without impunity. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't think human decency trumps their power trip. Is is I guess just is what I'm trying to say. Right for the for those for our listeners who don't understand the yang concept, I guess yang in martial arts is like usually it's associated with masculine energy, or yeah. like uh, you know like and oh you know power. So if if uh, generally when they talk about from my understanding of yang, yin and yang, you know the the yin and yang balance, yang. When something is too much yang or yang qi, just yang qi sang lai If the yang rises, then there's too it's it's out of balance and people it's it's when people go on ego trips, uh, are over you know excessive force like you mentioned, um, and yin is more uh, connected with feminine energy from my understanding. And so it's good to have a balance. Sorry, Tay Tay, you're you're the expert on this. Uh, am I explaining it correctly? Or yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That's exactly yeah. that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and, um, it, it just shows. It shows as a as a country, and it shows in their um, the way they perceive everything. America is very excessive. You think of the '80s. You think of Robocop. You think yeah. of Rambo. You think of like their concept of masculinity. Very seldom did the person not have a gun. Steven Seagal was a martial artist, but he was a cop. He would still tell them to freeze after he got done kicking their teeth in, yeah? So uh, America has, like, this this love affair with power. And who wants power? People who are weak, yeah? Uh, Simple. <laughs> you lust after the things you don't have. Well, I think you mean mental, mentally weak, I guess, right? Or... Yeah. No, I'm all types. Oh, all interesting. Types. Okay. I mean, because because it, people have different levels of of power that they look for. We talked about how um, financially, the how racism started with the poor whites being told, "Hey, you're better than the black people." Way back when, that's a fantasy. That's a power fantasy. Finances, having enough money to can be considered enough, or being better than. You know, power isn't necessarily physical or mental, but all levels of how to have um, an edge mm, or, right. or, you know, how to have more. So that's something that America has not really been good with. They're really good with more, not really good with balance. Mm. So, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, when people get tired, what do they do? They drink a Red Bull instead of going to sleep. 
you know <laughs> <laughs> like it's or doing tai chi or very, something yeah yeah or doing tai chi or you know meditating it's a very simple concept but too often um a lot of the issues here are based <laughs> off of uh a misuse of of yin and yang and that's that's why people are messed up now but that's all changing that's 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 what this movement that I see with uh, George Floyd is happening. It's the end of an era, huh. um, and and I think that it's it, people aren't going to go back to racism after this. <laughs> and that being said, it's going to be a lot of things that get broken down because again, racism is so intertwined and so interwoven in this specific society. It. It's it's going to take a while. Dan, any thoughts on that? I mean, as far as like the police reforming them, uh, it's not a low-paying job by any means. It's not. I mean, there was that San Jose guy who like you know shot somebody, and then everyone outed him, and he made two hundred sixteen thousand dollars a year last year. So it's not not that it can't it doesn't pay well. I think it's just not portrayed as a well-paying kind of gig. You know, when I grew up and then when I graduated from college, I didn't even think about becoming a cop because I thought they got paid nothing. Kind of like garbage people, I thought garbage men got paid nothing. They get paid well. No one educates you, and yeah, they get paid really well. You know who don't, doesn't get paid well is like the teachers. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think a lot of the, the cops just have to go through a psyche valve. It has to be a monthly psyche valve of some sort. And even like even before they become a cop, a police officer, they have to. There has to be some sort of evaluation on their mental, not capabilities, but their mental aspects, and see if there's anything wrong with them. Yeah, I, I have two college uh, friends that became police officers and one became a detective and they see some very, very terrible shit. Um, yeah. One officer, one of my friend's officer, he saw, he had to uh, visit a family where their kid committed suicide in the house and it wasn't a, it was not a clean suicide. It was a, a messy one. I think they, they, I forget what weapon they used on themselves, but it was a messy one. I think it was a, it was a, a pistol of some sort and he had to go and basically, you know, get the person's journal, find notes. Stuff. So, and he, he, yeah, that shit fucks you <clears throat> up. Like let's, yeah. And, and I think Shannon, what you mentioned, like, yeah, it, if you're in, in a constant state of, oh, people are out to get you and people are trying to kill you. Like my other friend, he's uh, in Fresno and he's, he's had run in with like the Hmong gangs and, and the, you know, Latino gangs out there. And, you know, um, it's, yeah. And, th- and there's also, there's also another thing about that overcompensation that of that, that, that too much young energy over masculine, that toxic masculinity in police departments that is not really addressed as as well, you know, and that's that's it's it's um it's encouraged, you know, it's encouraged in particularly in America. It's like, and you're mad. It's encouraged to be like, oh, you know, just do it. Ask for forgiveness later. Don't give a fuck, you know. Um, 
I, I remember one of my, the one of the police officers, he told me like, oh yeah, hey James, I tried out that one jiu-jitsu move you showed me on this one guy. I was like, oh, okay. And, and uh, I, I was kind of surprised. Like, it didn't seem like he had that much empathy for the guy that he did it to, you know? The guy was okay. Because generally jiu-jitsu, if it applied correctly, it's really safe compared to striking, right? So, so I was glad that he was safe and that the other guy he was not, you know, permanently hurt. But I was just a little bit surprised at how this fun-loving guy I knew in college would, had now become... I, I, I think it, he's still a nice, great dude, great guy. But he, there's a certain hardness to how he sees the world now because... They they see some they may see some messed up shit you know and they've gone yeah so um, I think yeah it's about time we we should probably wrap it up um, I I just want to end with maybe some closing thoughts about the current movement um, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll share my piece uh, so I think we've seen this in 2014 with uh, the the protests then um, there's also you know Trayvon Martin there's you know, Robert Zimmerman shooting the, uh, you know, he, he the, the, the black, he's just a child. If I, if I remember correctly, he was just a child and he had like, 17. he had, he had Skittles in his hand, you know? Um, so, you know, those, those things, unfortunately, let's be real. They, they woke up the consciousness a little bit. Obama made a speech about it, but then here we are in 2010, George Floyd. Oh, this shit's still going on. So, is this a flash in the pan, or is there real reform? Is there real policies that are going to be made to change? I think it feels different for me now. It feels a little. It feels there's there. They did. They showed a map of protests, and all fifty states were red for all uh, red for yeah. protests. Yeah, and that's like, oh, okay. Uh, I remember hearing about protests and about when Trayvon Martin happened, or or uh, and Ferguson happened. But it wasn't like nationwide at this scale before. So I'm optimistic. I want to say, yeah, I think there is going to be real conversations with policymakers. Now, the cynical side of me is going to say this, though. Uh, as far as white supremacy and this concept of white is right, might is right, I don't think racism is ever going to go away. If it's not racism, it's going to be some other form of separation or discrimination, you know? There's discrimination in, in, in China. Everyone's Chinese, but they actually have ethnic groups in China. There's the Uyghurs, the Muslims. So there's, there's suppression by religion. But there's also like, oh, you're from which province? Oh, they look down on that. So no matter what, there's always going to be some sort of fucked up discrimination. Um, if anything uh, if, that we saw from like the civil rights movement, it, it pushed the needle forward a little bit. It pushed the needle. So I think that's what's going to happen. Um, but uh, things it feels different. I, I hope things there's some real changes with how force is used in the police department. So those are my feelings kind of right now. Mm -hmm. um, I also want, I also like, I'm still, hey, I'll be honest with you. I'm still kind of butthurt about COVID and the racism against Asians, as I should be, I think. Because there was, there was violence from, let's be real, from the black community and the white community. Uh, uh, against Asians um, during that during during this time, and I think I saw a video of a a black gentleman going to a Chinese uh, store owner and like just, oh your store got broken into oh my that sucks and he steals like a lemonade from the dude, 
you know and like mm. so yeah black because of the civil rights movement and also yuri kochiyama she was part of uh she was she held malcolm x when he when he was dying there have been asian americans and, and black power uh there has been solidarity and, and and white media doesn't really talk about that there has been solidarity with, right. within, within our communities and that's something we need to show more right. of but there's there's a lot of tension there's a lot of people trying to divide us name mainly white supremacists and uh anarchists <sighs> There's a lot of shit, and I, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon, unfortunately. But I think this is a start. Uh, that's where I'm going to end with. Um, and I hope, I think we should take these moments of Asians supporting Black Lives Matter. And that from that, because as, as Mark, you know, it, well, I believe, it was, I forget if it's Gandhi or Martin Luther King. Injustice anywhere, uh, you know, any injustice anywhere is... is Injustice everywhere. Sorry, I'm, I'm butchering it. But like, we, we cannot see, we cannot stand by and watch injustice in the black community and say, oh, that's just the black people that we're, we're okay. Nah, nah, that shit, that shit transfers to the yellow, to the Asian community real hard. Because yeah. you have, because you have disenfranchised black people, you know, who are angry. My dad, he was in Oakland. He got shoved by a black man. And I said, dude, that's not right. And he's like, James, you gotta understand, these people are, you know, He's angry. He's been like, he. I mean, you know, he's probably been like, been through some shit. So, this is this this. You know, it's not right, but people act out because right. they felt that. So, that's that's my final thoughts. I I want to get your guys' final thoughts about like, is this a flash in the pan? Are we really gonna see real change or not? Yeah. Shannon, go ahead. Well, I would like to follow up with uh, what you said, James. Uh, there has been a very long history between Asians and Africans uh, joining and being connected. The yellow, you know, the yellow <clears throat> peril and Black Panthers, that's, that's the, again, that's the part that a lot of people don't know about. But even way, way, way back in Africa, China and Africa, they, they kicked it a lot. But um, regarding white supremacy today and regarding what's happening today, do I think it's going to like be consistent to me? Um, and, you know, obviously I wasn't alive in the civil era, so I can't really compare the two, but this feels different from Ferguson and this does feel uh, different from Trayvon Martin based on the global uh, impact that uh, the, 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 you know, racism in America against black people have really been put on display for the world to see. And people are actually like taken aback because it's 2020. And I don't think people fully understood just how deep it uh, went on a deeper level, like on, you know, cosmology and all that. It's a new phase, age of Aquarius. It's uh, <laughs> an old system is getting pushed out and a new system is getting pushed in, you know? And I think we've seen that in the last three years with, um, with this current president, he represents an old system and he's been doing a lot of draconian things period and we see how you know the individuals who thought that he was their you know figurehead in their voice piece for this time it's not working out and globally we're seeing how if this is what white supremacy looks like if this is what hatred and bigotry and, and positions of positions of power looks like 
we can never have this happen again. Everyone agrees with that. Black, white, whatever. Everyone agrees with that. And that being said, when this whole new transition comes through, it's not, I mean, of course, black people are the ones who are, you know, angry and they're dealing with this, but this transition is not going to be just, uh, just black people. It's going to be a lot of people uh, who, who are for black folks who are going to help tear down white supremacy um, with us. So uh, that being said, I am, I'm more hopeful in that aspect. Uh, I do believe that because it's not just like people saying this, more people will definitely help keep this momentum going. But I do not think seven days is going to end 400 plus years of slavery. <laughs> um, I think, you know, for, for every action, it's the opposite and equal reaction. And, and it's just, you know, in, in order for things to, to change and transmute, it takes fire. So, ah. you know, you need you need that impetus. You need those flames to, like, get rid of all the dross and purify, you know, the situation. So it's definitely going to get worse before it gets better because it's people still think, oh, it's just a few days and then to go back to normal. I don't think normal is going to work anymore. I don't think, I don't think, uh, people's versions of normal is is conducive to global harmony so we're definitely going to have to change up some things so on that aspect i'm i'm positive i'm positive are you you watch full metal alchemist i have to because <laughs> <laughs> you're that's... using words like transmutation i was like oh this this guy this guy's been watching full metal alchemist yeah oh man i i'm i'm a big i'm a big alchemist fan just okay just even real alchemy I, I listen I listen to a lot of uh, Manly P. Hall, and uh, okay. yeah, yeah, he, he's he's an old old guy. He's gone, but uh, he has a lot of good speeches. But I I think that the alchemy of of this age is just going to transition to a, a much better place. Um, but it's going it's an age, so it's going to take time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. But it's definitely going to take time. Dan, uh, any final thoughts? I, I, I'm hopeful that things will change, but I think it's going to take at least a generation because there are too many ignorant idiots out there in this country and even across the world. I mean, there are a lot of people. You look at Brazil and they elected someone just as stupid. Yeah. And oh, I think God. I think Mexico did the same thing. So. There are a lot of dumb people out there in the world, and it's just, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a couple generations at least. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, I guess one thing that we end with, uh, Tay, is uh, we, uh, if we have martial artists, we, we generally send, we, we end with kind of like a martial arts tips, like like a one tip to take away uh, from this, this talk. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... If I may, I think the the exercise that you sh you showed on yours, I'll, I'll put a link below. But the uh, tapping that you learned from yes. from Dave, yeah, tapping uh, the 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 um, I'll, I'll have a link to the video. But basically, you're breathing in, you're tapping. Nashing. What? How do you say it again? It's a. Uh... nashing. Oh right, so it's like you you grab getting the gold right. You you 
grasping the, the, the cheat and, and bringing out the poison. Yeah, yeah. So there, I'll have a link to that in the description below. But basically, you're tapping as you're breathing in, and then hold your air, and then like, and I, and then been breathing out. And I, I think, I don't know. I hey, maybe maybe it's placebo. I don't think so. But I think there's some good in it because like, I feel like oh, if I if like oh shit. I feel a little bit of a cough. Oh, shit, I got coronavirus. So I'll do that. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like paranoid. So I'll go do that. And right, like, right. oh, you know, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, it makes me feel better. And I think you in your video, you do explain like the kind of like the, the, the science behind it as far as loosening the phlegm and stuff like that. So yeah. anyways, that, that's a good one. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no problem. I'm glad, I'm glad uh, people are still seeing those videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I remember, like, David had taught us, David Way had taught us that. Uh, and I remember attending that class. I was like, oh, this is, I want, this is a good one. But then I had forgot the sequence, the whole sequence or something. And I saw your video. I was like, oh, fuck. I was just thinking about that. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So how about yourself? Is there any kind of, uh, uh, besides from that one, are there any good tips or tricks for people to stay healthy? Uh, uh, during this time of corona, or, you know, or just just to you know feel happier, be be more uh, balanced. Hmm, that's that's a three-hour conversation. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I think for for right now, um, this is what metal rat year. Metal. I oh, think. Yeah. Lao Su. I, I is it metal, Dan? Yeah. Okay. I think so. What what defines? I forget what what defines the element part of it. Is it because of the year number or? It's a cycle. Oh, it's a yes. cycle. It's, it's cycle. like the five elements, it's right? It's really... Yeah. Yeah. So metal, metal deals with lungs. Yeah. Um, breath control. We see how coronavirus is affecting lungs. We see how George Floyd said, "I can't breathe." Wow. Uh, globally, things are. Things are dealing with not being able to inhale, not being able to breathe, not being able to take a breath and calm down, take a breath and nourish the body, take a breath and, you know, relax. So breathing, I think uh, I'm going to just, you know, double down on the tugu nashin, the tapping and the inhale through the nostrils and all that stuff. When you have more efficient lung capacity, you have more oxygen in your muscles and your blood, you just have more energy to do things. And also when you breathe, you're not stressed out. Every time people, you know, they freak out, what do we say? Just breathe. Yeah? That actually will physically affect your vagus tin nerve when your diaphragm is relaxed. And that helps with not being so uh, uptight. Also, when your aorta uh, goes through your diaphragm, it's nice to have a relaxed diaphragm. So aorta isn't, you know, compressed or, or, or clenched. Mm. So increased, you know, blood flow. And also... When you have diaphragmatic breathing, your esophagus go, goes through your diaphragm. So your food can go down well. So you have your vagus 10, your aorta, and your esophagus all going through that one sheet of muscle that helps you with breathing. Um, so I, I do believe that people, they overlook breath because they see all of the amazing things that people do. And it's like, you can't do it if you can't breathe. You can't do it if you don't have energy. So having a good basis of breath um, will definitely not only help you with not being tired, but helping people relax, especially nowadays. 
uh, breath work is really good for helping relieve stress. So breathing. Breathing. So maybe practicing yeah. with uh, breathing from the dantian or from the diaphragm area. Yeah. Oh, and another thing. Um, try really, really, really hard to get as much sleep as you can. Uh, <laughs> people don't sleep enough. And, and I always like to say, I get up when I'm done sleeping. So <laughs> that's <laughs> like live a life where you go to bed at enough time so that you wake up early to train, but, you know, live a life where you can live long. Because uh, this stress, stress is not healthy. <laughs> it is not healthy. So. Do you, you usually get seven, eight hours yourself? Or it depends on the person, I guess, but like for yourself personally. Uh, I say about seven i go to bed like 10 30 11. oh sorry sorry like we're six. keeping you up late man uh, my bad oh bro yeah. no 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 worries <laughs> I, I, i've been up before at f1 2 in the morning but usually like 10 30 11 and then i wake up like 6 45 nice. 6 o'clock sometime so so yeah i don't even the sun hits me i'm up i'm like right. a kid in that in that instance but but i'm not a. I just tell people to live a life that's less stressful, and and if you focus more on your health, you'll live longer than focusing on your money. So, ah. yeah, <laughs> so, that's, yeah, I know that's a big thing in Chinese medicine. Like, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah means like to like stay up late, and that's like a big thing. Like my mom, you know, it's it's actually they don't really talk about it too much in Western literature about like it's bad to stay up late. But I guess there's it, correct me if I'm wrong. There's there's some stuff with the liver function, the liver cleans out stuff before 2 a.m. So you should sleep earlier or something like that. Yeah. The liver uh, stores the blood uh, when you go to sleep. Uh, and it's like two-thirds of your blood goes there. So if you're not getting enough rest, if you're not letting your kidneys, you know, do their job, the liver again will go down. Uh, over time, it looks like your eyes are dry if you stay up too late. Insomnia, uh, low back pain, weak knees. Like, it's, it's a whole... A whole lot of different aspects that make themselves evident when you overuse the body in certain ways. And like nighttime is yin time, we're like wow. water. So you want to make sure you have enough water in your body because when your kidneys shut off, that's that's it. That's it. So right. So yeah. all those all those people with too much yang, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so Dan, any any last tips? Uh, we should probably head out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I no, I that's that's good. We should probably <laughs> let uh, Shannon go to sleep. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. This is fun. I really enjoyed this. Hey, this is awesome. no, I enjoy this too. Thank you so much. And um, we'll, thank we'll, you. And uh, yeah, till next time. Thank you so much. Uh, man, uh, thank you. It was great catching up. And um, everyone, be safe. Likewise. So, uh, this is James signing off. Uh, Dan. Stan signing off. And then Tay, you want to sign up for us? Tay signing off. All right. All right. Tay, 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 Tay. Be healthy. Take care.